Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley and I have the pleasure today of being joined by Mr. Tom Merritt. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. We were just saying before we started, this is episode 80 and you were last on on episode 10. So I'm sorry it took me so long. <laughs> I think that might be my fault. So, Tom, <laughs> what do you like to be known for these days? Uh, good question. I, I hopefully am known for podcasting. Uh, I, I've kind of settled into that when people ask me what I am. It, it doesn't always work because there's still plenty of people out there who are like, I have no idea what that is and you kind of have to explain it. But but yeah, that, that seems to be my shtick now. That's not a bad shtick if you ask me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan. So what I want to oh, look thanks. at, talk to you about today is kind of like um, there's been you know some upheaval in your creative work and you're going down some new directions um, and it's all basically all of the stuff that you seem to, to do now, all the podcasts that you do, of which there are a bunch which we'll talk about, have all moved around and you've got new directions and you're launching some new things, closing down some new things. So I think to maybe to talk about that, I, I want to go back to kind of Feel maybe is it a month or two ago? It was before before Christmas um, when you departed from Twit, right? Yeah, and and uh, at the end of November, I was uh, doing Tech News Today and Frame Rate, uh, as well as occasionally being tapped for breaking news on Twit. Uh, and I was also in the middle of uh, my my contract had run out in July. And so I was waiting on them to to give me a new one. They they'd offered me one that had a lot of a lot of more restrictions on what I could do outside because I also do a lot of external podcasts, and I I have always been very clear that I didn't want to be exclusive. So I said, well, what can we do? And uh, we talked about making me freelance. So we were talking about that, and then on December fifth, Leo decided, and, and what he told me at the time was that uh, he's very happy with my work, but he really wanted to have someone in Petaluma. Uh, and I think a lot of people have misinterpreted that. He, because he hired Mike Elgin to take over Tech News Today, who is known as a world traveler, and some folks have, have called BS on that. He didn't say he wanted someone to be in studio every day. What he said was, I want someone to be in Petaluma, and Mike was willing to move to Petaluma. I couldn't. I, I moved to Los Angeles not because I wanted to get away from Petaluma, but because my wife got a job she couldn't refuse down here. So we tried it for a year, and, uh, and it didn't work. So, you know, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to, to stop doing Tech News Today or Frame Rate, but that was Leo's decision to say, well, you know what, I just, I really would rather have someone uh, in-house. So uh, he's taken a lot of flack for that and he's changed his story, but that's, that's essentially the way I understood it and what it was told at the time. So at the end of December, uh, I did my last Tech News Today. He did offer to let me continue to do Frame Rate, but I just didn't feel like uh, if I wasn't doing my main show that I loved, that I wanted to do the weekly show as well. So I have been scrambling to create new shows since then. Uh, so I do my I do a daily tech news show because I almost can't help myself. Uh, I'm doing it solo right now. I have I have gotten the help of a producer along the way who is volunteering her time for now until such time as we figure out how to pay her. Uh, and I've started a new show about cord cutting, which is what Frame Rate was about. So we talk about over-the-top television, Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that with Brian Brushwood called Cord Killers. And I launched a new weekly show with Scott Johnson called Current Geek, which is the old name of a show we used to do, but this one's a lot more expanded. It's essentially everything that people in the Frog Pants Network care about. Uh, technology, comic books, video games, geeky stuff, 
Uh, we look at that every week and we have some guests from other shows there and talk about that. And I'm continuing to do Sword and Laser, which never stopped. That's a science fiction and fantasy book podcast that I do with Veronica Belmont. Excellent. We're going to talk about a bunch of those things. There was one thing that I wanted to mention that wasn't actually in my sort of list of things to talk about, but it's just popped into my head, which was the last episode of TNT. Because mm -hmm. there was the way the way you ended that show, so awesome. Like, well, thank you. The, the like the pure class of just get like basically right at the end of the show, it's a video show. You thank everyone, you know, say the nice things that you'd say about the people that you work with, and then you just get up and walk off frame. Just that was that was perfect. I just wanted well, to mention it because I remember watching it at the time, and I was like, yeah, good job. Like you did a, you did a really good job. Well, thanks. I. I I didn't want to do a post show because I didn't want it to be awake. I didn't want it to be a morgue and it just <laughs> sure. would have been odd. Uh, and, and so I wanted to just leave it clean and that's what I came up with. And I, I'm glad that it came across that way and, and not as not in some misinterpreted way. Cause that's, that's how I meant it was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gone from this show now. It's in, it's in new hands and it's in good hands. I think Mike Elgin is great. I know that a lot of people are critical of his presentation skills, but those will get better. I, he's a really smart guy with years of experience and great insights. So it, it was a good choice. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's just different, isn't it? So people, people don't like yeah. change a lot of the time, but it's just different. For sure. But it hasn't stopped you from going on and doing many, many things. And, and, so, but before we talk about some of the projects, I want to talk about kind of what happened for you just after. So when kind of the, the news came out, there was like a, what seemed like a big groundswell of support from colleagues and peers, as well as fans. What was that feeling like when you kind of announced the news to the world and then received feedback from it? What was the kind, what was sort of the overall kind of feedback and how did it feel to receive that? Well, it was surprising. Um, it, not not entirely surprising. I don't want to be falsely humble. I knew I knew that people liked me because they watched the show, and you know that that doesn't happen. I'm you know there's uh, anybody who's got a show that continues for any amount of time gets folks to follow them. But there's also tons of trolls out there, and so I was prepared for both. I was prepared for some people to you know show support, and I was prepared for people to show hate. That's just the way the internet usually works. Uh, and I was rather astonished at the low level of trolling that happened. And the folks who got together and formed the, the uh, self-named Merit Militia and started selling T-shirts on Teespring, I didn't have anything to do with any of that. But they put it together and it was, was really, really crazy and really helped me get through the, the sort of upset uh, and, and frustration about you know, having to change all of this stuff because I really loved doing that show with Sarah and I as in Jason and I was not looking forward to stopping it. And then I had to continue to do it knowing I wasn't going to be able to do it. Uh, and that was hard. So having that support was invaluable in just fueling me to continue to go forward. And I also felt bad because people are like, how can we help? What can we do? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm going to do next. So, and I'm still in that, in that phase a little bit though. I'm starting to come up with more things like, okay, now I know I need, I'm going to need help with this and I'm going to need help with that. But I'm moving very slowly because I want to do things right. Was there, when it happened, was it like panic stations for you? Did you have ideas of things that you wanted to do? Or was it like, right, I better get a pen and paper and start writing some stuff down now because I've got to come up with some shows? Right. Some things I, I didn't expect, and maybe I should have, but I didn't expect Tech News Today to go away. 
Lisa had said at one point, well, we'll, we'll have to cancel frame rate. It just doesn't make us any money. So I had already started talking with Brian about a replacement for it. Like, okay, well, if, if they're, it sounds like they're going to, they've said they're going to cancel it. I mean, it was, it was not a maybe, it was a, we're going to cancel it. Uh, so we were, we were preparing those contingencies. So we just went ahead with that. And that's why Cord Killers launched as quickly as it did, because we were thinking about that ahead of time. Everything else was just sort of, uh, you know, I knew I was going to do daily tech news somehow, but I didn't know how. I didn't know whether I would just do audio, whether I would find a co-host, whether I'd want to join another network, whether I'd want to, you know, what, what I was going to do. So I was just sort of keeping that one on the, on the back burner because I knew I would do it and, and I knew I could take it slow. Uh, Current Geek came out of conversations with Scott Johnson where we said, well, should we do a daily show or should we do a totally new, new kind of show? And, and we ended up settling on a weekly kind of Frog Pants All-Stars, which was the working title for a while. And then we finally settled on bringing back the current geek name because we felt like it was appropriate and it was ours and it was identified with us. And a lot of people had been saying, why don't you bring that show back? So we thought, well, this way we can bring it, bring it back, but make it better. So it, 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 took, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of thinking. And uh, I was essentially from morning until night either doing my show or talking to people and planning about what the heck I was going to do next. What was the most surprising thing that, that came out of all of this? Like, was it the fact that it was so easy is not the word, but that it was, you know, you could just start doing new things on your own? Or was it the fact that you had much more support than you expected? Like, was there anything that was surprising to you? Yeah, a couple of things were, I mean, there, there's the small surprises like, huh, Google Hangouts actually works. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I had, we had tried to do East Meets West over Google Hangout more than a year ago, like right after it launched. It was, it was not working back then. So they've improved that a lot. And the fact that I'm able to do Daily Tech News Show with Google Hangout, I, I resisted doing a video feed and still haven't officially created a video feed because I just wasn't sure how that was going to work. So there were a lot of technical barriers that I was very wary of and wasn't sure how they were going to happen. Uh, and I'm surprised at, not that I haven't had technical problems, but I've, I'm surprised at how, how I've had fewer than I expected, I guess is the way I would put it. But the biggest, the biggest surprise that I had was the backing of my closer friends. Not that you don't expect your close friends to back you, but the way they backed me and how they backed me and, you know, being able to talk to them and having uh, a, a tight group of people to just get on the phone and bitch about and, and know that, you know, you can, you can let your frustrations out and you, at the end you'll be calm and be, and be able to see rationally and they won't hold it against you. Uh, it's, I really haven't experienced that before I've been through tougher things than this, um, you know, involving family and death and, 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 you know, horrible situations. This, this is not the worst thing I've ever been through, but this is the most friend support that I've ever experienced. And I, I, I told them that directly that, you know, it just can't put a price on that. Maybe because it was out in the open where those other sort of things aren't so much. Yeah. Uh, I guess I think that that made it more valuable in a way because I also had this private space. You know, there's a lot of talk about 
do you have privacy and the importance of privacy? And and while I'm I'm the kind of person who believes in openness and and that you know historically we've had less privacy than we have now. Privacy that doesn't mean that privacy isn't important. And being able to have a conversation with someone where you're not thinking anyone else is listening. Uh, unlike saying something on the internet, which even if, if you're sending an email, you should assume that someone will be able to see it <laughs> at some point. Uh, I, you know, you you get a you get in a different mindset there, and you think differently, and it really it's really helpful. Right, I want to take a quick break, and then we'll start digging into some of the projects that you're doing. I want to understand some of your thinking behind some of the things that you're working on at the moment. So let's take a break to thank our friends over at Squarespace for supporting this week's episode of Command Space. They are the all-in-one platform that make it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO1. Squarespace is always doing great work to make sure that their platform is up to date with new features, new designs, and making their support team even more fantastic. They have really beautiful templates that you can get started with, and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. They have a WYSIWYG page building system that's recently been updated to allow for really powerful page creation. You can do things like change fonts, change colors. Um, You can lay out your pages and just drag and drop stuff around. It's so simple, and it just really makes creating a website fun and easy. Squarespace take care of hosting, SEO, and even make sure that your site looks fantastic on any devices they use responsive mobile design too. It's really easy to use, but they have over 70 dedicated employees on their customer care team just in case you need it. Squarespace have two fantastic iOS apps that they've recently launched. They have Squarespace Blog, which lets you easily draft, post, schedule, and review posts, as well as monitor and manage comments on the go. They also have integrated this with their page building system, so you can easily format text on Markdown, and you can tap and drag images around within your post or within the app. They also have Squarespace Metrics, which allows you to monitor your website analytics, get projections and charts, and all of this right on your iOS device. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to do this. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. And make sure that you get 10% off and support this show by using the offer code TALLYHO1. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number one. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of 5x5 and their continued support of Command Space. So, Tom, when you left tech news today how many days break did you take before starting the daily tech news show <laughs> nah one <laughs> trick, that's know, a trick question right <laughs> uh I, I did my last tech news today on december 30th so the there were two full days in there but january 1st wasn't a show for anybody because it's a holiday so yeah i took i took the 31st off uh i took the first off along with everybody else and then on january 2nd i was back at it so the you, I mean the obvious next question that you can see and everybody else is why didn't you take a break at all? Uh, because I knew I wouldn't anyway. The, the thing is, I took a two week break between leaving Buzz Out Loud from CNET back in 2010 and starting Tech News Today at Twit. And during that break, I found myself getting up in the morning, looking at all my feeds, checking Tech News, and constructing a lineup in my head, and thinking. Well, I've, you know, I've definitely have things to say about these top stories, you know, this handful of top stories. I guess I'll just fire up Ustream uh, and and just chat 
with people. And I'll, I'll do it at about the same time that Tech News Today is, is scheduled to, to launch at so that it kind of gets people used to seeing me. So I essentially continued to do a show alone <laughs> for two weeks. Uh, and I was like, well, that's just, it's just silly not to lean into that. I'm, I'm going to want to do all this stuff anyway. So I might as well just bring a guest along for the ride and, and, and start something with the idea that this is like, this is my next was for The Verge. Right. If you remember when they yeah. launched, they started a temporary site and said, this is not going to be the final site, but this is where you're going to find our work until we do the final site, uh, and the final site will be better. That, and that was my idea at the time, is that Daily Tech News show would just be my transitional uh, show. I may, or, I'm, I may change the name of it still, uh, but rather than do like a big rebranding relaunch like The Verge, did, I will probably just continue to iterate, just grow it slowly and try things and what works, stick with them and what doesn't, abandon them and, and just go from there. Now, I need you to explain to me the numbering system <laughs> for your episodes because unless there's been more days than I think there has been between this year, you're on episode 2,153 at the moment. Uh, yeah, well, it's just a little time travel. Uh, <laughs> just nothing. Uh, so some timey-wimey stuff. No, timey, no yeah, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. <laughs> uh, this was Darren Kitchen's idea. He was actually uh, down here at my house uh, when I launched the Daily Tech News Show temporary site. And I, I recorded a little introductory audio file just so people could be able to subscribe to the feed ahead of time uh, and have something in there. And he said, you know, we were, and we were just talking about what the show would be and, and what it would be like and how I would do it. And he said, you should take the number of the last episode you did at Buzz Out Loud and the number of the last episode you do at Tech News Today, add them together, add one, and make that the episode number of your first daily tech news show. He's like, because you've been doing that many episodes. It's kind of a fudge because obviously – even though I was at Buzz Out Loud from the beginning, there are episodes where I was on vacation or whatever that I wasn't on. And same, same goes for Tech News Today. Uh, but it's sort of a, it's a tip of the hat to like, hey, this is, this is about how many episodes I've actually done of a daily tech news show. 2,000. Like, yeah, 2,153. That's kind of terrifying. Me. Yeah, I'm not even through my 10,000 hours. <laughs> wow, imagine how good you're going to be. Yeah, eventually I'm going to get good at this. <laughs> so what, for you, what is what is ta Daily Tech News going to be? Like, what are you looking to turn it into? I mean, because at the moment, I mean, I have been honored to be a guest on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, it's, it's you and, you know, you run through some news, you have a guest on, you talk through some stuff. And, you know, you've mentioned that this is kind of like a pilot and it's about transition. But are you looking to have daily guests still? Are you going to look at building a news team, you know, like Ron Burgundy style? What yes. what is daily? It's, it's all mustaches and suits. I need, I need a <laughs> slightly slow weather person, um, <laughs> if you know anyone, and a, yeah, no, um, and a cowboy sports guy. I, 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 I have ideas, but I don't want to get too pretentious and say, "Oh, it's like jazz, man." You just, you just feel the the vibe. But <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what it's going to end up being. What I know is that I want it to be what the people who watch it and listen to it deserve and what they want. 
and I, I, I say this to people sometimes, I'm like, you listen to your audience and then you build something based on what they say. And they're like, oh, but that, that just ends up giving you the lowest common denominator. You know, that's, that's, you, you've got to, you've got to do the Apple thing and give people what they want, whether they know it or not. And I'm like, no, you know what? You need to do both. You need to watch your audience. And, and what I've always done is I always have three or four opinions on the way something could go, right? Like, I have a listener feedback idea and I think, well, it should be like four segments long or maybe actually there's an argument for two. Like I see multiple ways. I look at the audience to kind of give me a cue of which of those ways do they like the best. So it's different than just saying, well, the audience, somebody in the audience had an idea and so I have to do it. It's more taking the temperature of the room and fitting it in with what you already think is probably a good idea. There's the things at the end of the bell curve that you know are a good idea. And those are the Apple ideas where you're like, I don't really care if the audience thinks this is a good idea yet. I'm 100% certain it's going to work. There's things at the other end that you're like, I don't care if everyone in the audience wants me to do this. I'm not because I'm not good at it or it's not going to happen. But in the middle are all these other options. And so I kind of, and we did this at Buzz Out Loud to great effect. You just kind of read read those signs, read the winds, and and go with that. And that's all highfalutin, fuzzy stuff. Uh, but the point of it is, at the end of the day, I want to do something that allows people to feel like they know more about what's going on in technology. Uh, when when they're talking about technology, they feel informed. They feel like they have a sense of the issues. They know the story behind the story. And I want them to feel. Like uh, they understand it and it makes and it's put in context. It's not just a list of facts. So that's what I'm after. Uh, and there's lots of different ways to go about doing that. Do you think that there's anything new that can be done with a format like this? Like, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you have your ideas, but do you think that as, as time goes on, there can be, you know, like a sort of a real like news show, right? Maybe every couple of hours or something you know there's there's an update and you know you say we joke about weather but i don't know something like here's trends <laughs> yeah. that are happening on the web right now stuff like that it's the meme forecast yeah 60 percent chance of doge <laughs> i agree with you by the way it's doge not dogie or dog Doge. yeah i'm i've i've fallen down i actually was a, a early dog supporter but then i i very quickly changed sides to doge and that's that's where i've settled now, but I I can I can see I can see the dog argument, um, but I digress. Uh, yes, I just like okay when we did Buzz Out Loud at CNET, it was ten stories discussed plus emails, uh, and then we're like, well, we have a, we have a voicemail number. Let's add voicemails, and then we were, we we said, well, maybe we're doing too many stories. You know, let's let's expand the feedback section. And uh, in fact, even when it started, it was only two stories. So we expanded that to 10. And then when I got to Tech News Today, I started limiting the number. I was like, well, let's only do eight. Or maybe let's only do six. And Eric Lanigan was the guy who's like, yeah, but there's so many good stories getting left behind. Why don't you do like quick summaries? So we did the news fuse and that was at the end. And then the longer we did that, the more that turned into like top headlines. But that didn't make sense because then we were saving headlines for the news views instead of discussing them or forcing things into the discussion because they were important and we didn't want to wait for the news views. Uh, and I'm like, well, this is against all journalism. Let's put the news views at the top and that becomes headlines. So 
those kinds of things, those kinds of changes and learnings and, and adapting are just going to continue to go on. And a couple of my ideas are involve uh, having c contributor segments, uh, some from the audience more often, because I just did two shows while I was shooting Sword and Laser, where the bulk of the, sh the episode was made up by uh, user submissions, and, and it worked out better than I ever could have expected. We got some amazing submissions, and it was great to hear those different voices from different jobs and different parts of the world. So something something involving that, but also like branching out and maybe getting an esports correspondent I've been talking about for a while or a space segment or a science segment. Um, and then we've had a couple of viewers say, well, what you should do is have different editions of Daily Tech News Show throughout the day from the part of the world that makes sense. Yep. So the North America edition for me happens at 1.30 p.m. Pacific, which is 4.30 p.m. Eastern, right after the markets close. But then maybe you have the Australia version happens, you know, four hours later or the or the Hong Kong version happens and then the South Africa version and then the UK version uh, and, and then the uh, the Brazilian version. And you just get different people to do that. Um, I, I think that sounds great. I, you know, that, that's a long ways down the road. That's an ultimate yeah. goal to shoot for. And maybe it just happens organically. I don't know. But uh, there's, there's all kinds of different directions it could happen. Try doing more than one update during August <laughs> when there's no news. <laughs> like, that's the problem, yeah. right? Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, the, that's the joke, right? And, but big stuff still happens in August. And I've been able to do a daily tech news show throughout August for years. Uh, but but it yeah it it gets it gets sparse it actually it almost gets worse in July than August because in July everyone's planning for their vacation so nobody really announces a lot of stuff mm -hmm. there's kind of this end of July drought and then in August like surprising things happen because people try to get away with stuff when they don't think anyone's paying attention I think <laughs> uh, or just random things happen you know I mean things that nobody could have planned on or expected how do you think that people do or will consume this show because. I mean, I, I do a daily news show here on 5x5, and, and I try to keep it really short. Sure. Um, just because it's a headline thing, and it's only me. And I, if it's just me on my own, I don't know if I could really just talk for half an hour. Yeah, no, none of us can be Dan Carlin. Uh, no. He's one of a kind. It's at, extremely at difficult, sort of extremely, extremely difficult to, to do that, I find. So, I mean, your show, I don't know, it's like 25, 30 minutes, typically? Right. Um I one is are you thinking of keeping it to that length and two how do you think that people listen do you think people listen every day people definitely listen every day and they want it to be the length of their commute right although they also get in habits right usually somebody's like I really like the the length of your show because it's perfect for my commute because that's when people tend to listen to podcasts I did have one guy say you know, I used to listen to Tech News Today and it was about 45 minutes long. And that was great because I would listen to half hour of it during my commute. And then I'd have 15 more minutes the next morning during my commute. And that was awesome to get more. And now Daily Tech News Show is only 30 minutes. And that fits my per commute perfect. But I don't have any left over. Can you do it longer? <laughs> for <laughs> so you, it's, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's all what you... What, there is yeah. also something to be said for what people get used to. And if you just do it consistently and they like what you do, they'll, they'll get used to whatever it is. The show is 30 minutes right right now because that's how long I went with Tim Stevens when we did the first episode on January 2nd and it just seems to have naturally fallen right around 25 to 30 minutes one of the reasons is I only have one guest and uh, I've developed a rule of thumb over the years that every guest adds 10 minutes to the show unless you cut content uh, just because there's more voices talking yeah. I also only do one discussion segment 
we may discuss two things in the segment, but I'm really building it around what does the guest want to talk about rather than trying to bring the guest into conversations uh, that are predetermined. And, and, and that's it. It's, you know, it's, it's the length it is because that's the content I have. I want to take a moment to thank our second sponsor for this week's show, and that is the fine folks over at FreshBooks. So I'm happy FreshBooks are back because they can help you out when it comes to all of your invoicing and time tracking stuff. So are you still using Word or Excel to create invoices? Do you use a shoebox of receipts to keep track of your expenses? Well, you can save time and get paid faster with FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. FreshBooks is the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners just like you save time billing and get paid faster. With FreshBooks, you can easily create invoices online, and track expenses on the go and get real-time business reports with a few simple clicks. You can try FreshBooks for free, but if you go sign up right now at getfreshbooks.com, that is absolutely free to sign up and try out. And here's the delicious part. FreshBooks is doing something special for listeners of Command Space. Every day, they're giving a birthday cake away to someone who signs up for a new account by listening to this show. So, for your chance to win, enter Command Space in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up for your new account with FreshBooks. And every day, it could potentially be your birthday. So go sign up now at getfreshbooks.com. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for supporting Command Space and 5x5. Birthday cakes for everyone, Tom. I, I, that's the most delicious offer I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I love their idea. It's just, it's so random, but it's great. They, they actually you know? got one of those one time at Twit, uh, one of the, one of the cakes. They sent it to us so we could, we could sample it. It's pretty dang good. Apparently, um, well, I say apparently, I know this is a fact. They, they source local bakeries. Oh, so you don't necessarily get the same cake. No. They're just trying to find, oh, that makes sense, because why would you want to, like, ship a cake from, you know, halfway across the continent? <laughs> exactly. So, Sword and Laser, you mentioned that you're currently filming Season 2, and this was a, a Kickstarter project, right? The Season 2 of Sword and Laser? Yeah, in fact, we I'm proud to say we finished uh, recording Season 2 on Saturday. All 12 episodes Excellent. are in the can now, and uh, wending their way. We, we, are, we are actually using SneakerNet to transfer the files because it's, you know, several terabytes worth mm. of video. So we're shipping it to our editor, actually. That was the best bandwidth we could get. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it was a Kickstarter that we did in November. And it blew us away how quickly we re reached our immediate goal. We wanted to do six episodes. And we got that goal within a day. Uh, and then we said, okay, well, we can do 12 episodes if we hit this goal. And uh, we got that within a week. And then we sort of like, we were, we really, this is something people have told me before. And everyone says, you've got to plan more stretch goals on Kickstarter than you think you'll need because you'll run out of them. And our third stretch goal had been live audience, which didn't end up being as compelling, I think, because not everybody could come. Yeah. So we need to come up with a more universally applicable stretch goal next time, next time we do this. But yeah, it, it really, to me, emphasized what I think Will Wheaton has espoused. He, he's not the only one, but I think he espouses it most eloquently, that you just need a loyal audience for something that you do in media, and then you can figure out how to, they will support you. 
uh, in doing it. And Sword and Laser certainly doesn't have a large audience, but it has a very loyal audience. And they supported us on the average much more than any other Kickstarter I've ever been uh, involved in. So it it was really humbling. uh, And hopefully we delivered the quality that they deserve for that. So Sword and Laser is a um, typically an audio podcast that you and Veronica Belmont do together about fantasy and sci-fi uh, books, right? That's kind of the, in a nutshell. That's, yeah, I mean, it actually started as a Ning group just to talk about science fiction and fantasy books with the intention of doing a podcast. And then, you know, within a few months of, of launching that group, we we started our first podcast and it was an audio podcast for years. And then... Getting, uh, we got picked up by Geek and Sundry, Felicia Day's channel on YouTube to do a season of 26 video episodes. So we got some budget and we did video episodes and they did really well. They, they did, we didn't get picked up for a second season because YouTube was funding the channel and YouTube had particular demographics and numbers that the, that they needed to, to be hitting. And we weren't hitting those numbers. It wasn't that we were doing badly. It was just that, you know, our audience didn't fit with what YouTube wanted. So, uh, so we, were uh, able to go off on our own and do the Kickstarter. And Felicia, by the way, has been very supportive of that. She's been she's been tweeting about us and stuff, which is really awesome. Yeah. There's there's no no badness there at all. But it also helped open our eyes. I mean, I'm, we're eternally grateful to Geek and Sundry for even giving us that one season because we're like, wow, look what we can do. We just need to come up with the resources. We've also started doing Google Hangouts for interviewing authors, which has worked out really well. So that we can have simpler author interviews than we would have when we shoot the full video on the set, but but still have a lot of fun and, and have a good conversation. And we have a huge Goodreads group. I think we might be the first or second largest Goodreads group there is to discuss science fiction and fantasy books. Uh, we have we've made friends with a bunch of authors out there, uh, and we're really more than just a podcast now. We're we're trying to be a book club in every sense of the word that helps people discover new books to read. And and the thing that gratifies us most is when we get the feedback from somebody who says, you know, I wasn't really reading a lot until I started listening to your show or watching your show. And now I've got this Im- immense book list and I'm reading all the time. Or I wasn't really reading science fiction or I wasn't really reading fantasy. And you've exposed me uh, to the other side of the genre. That's kind of what we're about. How has being Kickstarter backed for season two rather than kind of like commissioned and produced for season one changed the show? Has it, has it made positive changes for you or negative changes? It has made a few positive changes in that we don't have to... I don't want to make it sound like YouTube was some horrible overlord, but there were certain things you had to do, certain paperwork you had to fill out. You couldn't curse. Uh, not that you can't curse on YouTube, but we were we were a show who was in who was in the the line of the we don't want the show to curse. We don't want the show uh, to ha- to have drinking on it. Um, so so we had to follow those rules and. This time we only had to follow our own rules, uh, so, so we could we were a little freer in, in what we could talk about, what we could show, and I I don't want to say we were freer in what we talk about. Like somebody was saying, you can't speak about something, but just we could have um, <laughs> we I don't I don't, don't want to out any particular authors, but Chuck Wendig I think is kind of known for being a cursy guy, uh, and so we weren't like terrified to have him on because we'll bleep out some of the stuff, but it was it was totally up to us. To, to have those kinds of conversations. So when can people expect to, to see 
season two of uh, Sword and Laser come to their computer monitors? Probably the 13th of February would be my guess. Uh, it could come a little earlier. It might take a little longer because, you know, if something crops up. Um, but definitely by the end of February. And we, I think we intended to release on Thursdays. Once we start releasing, the idea is that we have enough runway where we can just release one every week uh, until all 12 episodes are out there. So they can still be worked on kind of, you know, as they're being released kind of thing. Yeah, I think what we want to do is have one or two in the uh, ready to go. And then once, the, the first one's always the hardest one because you have to lay out the template and figure out where everything goes. But they're all the same format. Uh, we open up with uh, a little introduction to the author. Then we have an Aaron Whiteboard video, which gives some insights, this little animation. Then we interview the author and we say, say goodbye. So once the editor has actually laid that all out, he can, he, it'll be easier to do the subsequent episodes. So you mentioned Cord Killers. Um, this was the show that this is the show that you and Brian Brush would do together now independently, and it was a show that you was born out of a Twitch show called Frame Rate. Um, now I, you know, you mentioned previously that it was one that was maybe going to get dropped on Twitter um, because it wasn't making money. Uh, why did you decide that you wanted to keep the show going? Because I know that you mentioned you were going to do that regardless of what happened with you. Like even if if you were still at Twitter and frame rate got cancelled, you probably would have kept it going anyway, right? Yeah, why, yeah. why is that? That was the idea. Why, why that show? Like, why do you love it that much that maybe if it wasn't working from a monetization standpoint? Have you ever have you ever been to Vegas, Mike? I have, yes. Have you ever have you ever been betting on a on a hand so long that you know is gonna pay off <laughs> eventually? <laughs> and you're in the hole and you're like, well I could stop now and I've just lost, or I could keep going and I'm gonna make that money back. Uh, it's not about the money, but that's kind of the feeling with frame rate slash uh, cord killers or just the cord cutting show at all. When Brian and I launched the show, it was really about stuff we watch. And we quickly realized that that was not as interesting to the audience there as the practical side of it. So we, we mixed it up and we said, well, some of it's going to be about what we watch, but we're also going to talk about how we watch it. Mm. And we would talk about cable television in the early days a lot, and we still do. But we would also talk about Hulu and and we would address the the issue of torrents and whether, you know, and the legalities and ethicalities of that. And eventually it became that, well, this is a cord, the cord cutting became a frequent term. And we were like, well, this is a cord cutting show. This is about being able to watch what you want, when you want, where you want and any way you want it. And for a couple of years, we were the Netflix show because that was really what all the news was about. Sure. Uh, and we've had to change the format a couple of times as more news has become available to talk about. We used to kind of have to stretch to fit stuff in there, and we don't anymore. In fact, we've got more items every week than we can possibly fit in the show. So we're feeling like, God, it was, it's like we started a tablets show two years before the iPad came out or three, you know, three years before the iPad came out and there were tablets and there were enthusiasts and there were things to talk about, but we're waiting for that big explosion where somebody, I don't know if it's going to be the on cue or whether it's going to be Sony's thing or that mythical Apple television's finally come going to be coming real, but something is going to happen and this is going to explode into the mainstream. And we're seeing that. I mean, we see that audience rising all the time and people getting more and more enthusiastic about this kind of technology and what it means for their entertainment. 
So you put this show into beta as well, um, and I, I know that you're, you're releasing regularly now, right? What what did yeah. you learn from doing this show in beta, and why did you do that as well? Because this, this was a show you knew how to do. You've been doing it for a long time. Sure. There were a couple reasons we wanted to put it in beta. Uh, one was that I was still doing Tech News Today, and we we didn't want it to be a moneymaker or an official show until I was completely done. I also We also didn't have all the graphics. We actually still don't have all the graphics done uh, for it. Uh, but we also wanted to get feedback from folks about like, okay, well, if here's our chance to change stuff around. Uh, if you want us to change something, what would it be? And honestly, they didn't really want us to change all that much. It, it, was, it was more of a like, just keep doing what you're doing. We love it. So we made some tweaks, but mostly we just realized it's, you know, the content that we deliver is good and people like it. So you're doing something interesting with this, with this show um, and that you're using, you've signed up for Patreon. Now, for anybody that doesn't know, Patreon is kind of like a running Kickstarter uh, for people that are using, that are doing creative work. And it was started by Jack Conte of Pomplamoose. Mm-hmm. He's an internet musician. I'll put a, a talk a, a talk in the show notes, an XOXO talk where he talks about um, a bunch of this stuff. That was where I found out about it by being at XOXO and I saw sort of talk that Jack Conte put on. Patreon is kind of what people do is they like someone like Tom um, who creates something on the internet can put up and say, every time I release a new episode, a new song, a new movie, a new clip, um, Will you pay me some money to do that? So people will choose a pledge level, maybe a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, that say every time you release a new episode, we will give you some money. Um, and then people can do the extra things like, you know, you get secret content and that sort of stuff if they want to. Um, Tom, was that is that a fair explanation of Patreon? Yeah. I mean, you are an actual user of it, so... But that, that's kind of what I took away from it. Yeah, the only, other, the only other thing to add there is as a Patreon backer, you can also put a, a maximum on the monthly amount. You can say, I want to get $5 an episode, but if they do six episodes this month, I only want to pay $20. I don't yep. want to pay $30 um, to kind of help that per episode thing from getting out of control or some, some skullduggery happening where a show says they're weekly and you pledge and then they go daily and then try to soak you. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think anything like that has happened, but there's already a built-in thing. It's like, hey, if you can only afford $10 a month uh, and you think they're only going to have monthly episodes, you can back at $10 an episode, but you won't have to pay any more than that a month. The idea is that it's that value for value idea that you always hear Adam Curry talking about if you're familiar with No Agenda, which is I'm giving you something so if it's valuable to you, give me that value back in exchange. And Patreon formalizes that and says, put, put your price on it uh, and, and, and then automate it so that you don't have to think about it anymore. And you can do the same sort of thing with PayPal and PayPal donation buttons. There's a little bit of controversy about whether you're sh- you should do that or not. PayPal avowedly wants that to be just for charities. Um, so they, they want to take a cut if you want to do a business thing and a lot of people don't want to do it that way and and then there becomes issues of uh, of the fact that you're dealing with a which what's supposed to be a merchant checkout account and are you really giving them something et cetera et cetera uh, so patreon says look we're gonna we're gonna formalize this for artists for people who create works of art whether they're music or whether they're art like you said or podcasts and it works really well for that 
And you guys have, have seems to be doing quite well. I mean, at the moment, your your Patreon account is over two thousand dollars per episode that you release. So that seems to be quite quite a nice ground. I mean, to to help get the show and pay for the running costs for it and stuff like that. But I'd be right in thinking that. Yeah, um, it's a lot more than we expected. Now, there's also the fact that somebody could put a monthly cap on their amount. Uh, that means that you might not really get that much per episode. Right. Uh, that's the that's the maximum we would get per episode. There's also the fact that I believe, and we'll see if this happens, that once you get charged the first time, you're probably going to get some drop off. Uh, we haven't. They only charge you monthly, even though you back at sure. a weekly level for for our show. So at the end of January will be the first time people will see a charge show up on their credit cards. Uh, I fully expect that some people, and for very legitimate reasons, will go, ooh, yeah, actually, I don't know if I can handle that every month. Yeah. And and they can cancel at any time. So well, I think after a couple months of doing it, we'll have a better idea of, of really what that number per episode will be. But yeah, at the level it is now, even if we have a significant drop-off, it's, it's still pretty good. Does embracing fan support in this way, like from a monetary perspective, kind of like Kickstarter, does it... Does it let you change and adapt the type of show to more suit what they're looking for as, as an audience? Like, do you, do you feel that maybe the audience has more of a say than if you just presented it for free and maybe had sponsors or no sponsors? Does it change I, that relationship? Yeah, I've done a lot of thinking about this. And the, the fact is, the only way you'll, as a creator of this kind of content, ever have full control of your show is if you do it for nothing and just put it out there public domain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if anyone else is giving you money for it, they have a say over you. Now, that say may not be very strong. Uh, if you're making a comedy for a broadcast network, um, that, say, that say that the advertisers will have over you is very indirect. It comes through the salespeople who tell the executives who get an idea of what the what the what the ad people will support and won't support, and then they give notes to the director who decides whether he wants to go along with it or not, and it's then, and then tells the actors what to do. So it's it's very delayed, but it's there. Uh, advertisers are always going to have some kind of effect. the The key is to limit that effect so that it doesn't negatively impact whatever it is you're creating. So if you have direct audience participation that audience is going to have an effect. You're going to want to do things that please that audience, which could sound great, right? Like you're making it for the audience, so why wouldn't you do it for the audience? It could have a downside where, you know, the artist uh, in, in any form, whether it's podcast or anything else, wants to do something that's unpopular, right? It wants to do that Apple thing where, no, we're not going to give you cut and paste. And the audience walks away before they give it a chance. That could happen. So that that's the risk you take, I suppose. Now, this show is advertising supported, and I want to take a quick break to fin- to thank our final sponsor for this week. But I've got a few more things I want to talk with you, Tom, before I let you go today, if that's okay with you, sir. Yeah, sure. So our final sponsor for this week's episode is the fine folks over at Shutterstock.com. This is where you're going to find over 28 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and over 1 million video clips. You can start searching at Shutterstock right now to find the perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or just about any other creative project that you have. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find media from across the world to suit your project. 
You can choose between image packs, monthly subscription packages, or if you need just one image for a blog post or something like that, you can do that too. You never have to compromise with Shutterstock. You just choose the way that you want to use it, and then it will fit you because that's how they work. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you're going to find something new. Guaranteed, in fact, because they add over 20,000 new images every single day and 12,000 videos every single week. So unless you're going to Shutterstock 20,000 times a day, which you're probably not, you're going to find something new. And it's more affordable than you think, with no extra charge for large files. You can download any image in any size and you pay just once. As you're searching around the Shutterstock, you can easily curate and share your pictures via light boxes. So as you're looking around, you like this image, like that image, you can save them as you go and you can save them to a light box gallery that you can look at at the end. Fantastic. You can see what you want, purchase as you need. They also have an iPad app to do this too. They have enhanced license access if you need it. They also have 24-hour support during the week and they can also give you a dedicated account rep too if you need to have any questions answered. As well as images like and videos, Shutterstock have a huge library of vectors, icons, and infographic templates if you need any of those. So go sign up for a free browse account right now by going to shutterstock.com. There's no credit card needed to do this. And when you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code CMD. 114 that's cmd114 and it's going to get you 25% off any package you put together over at shutterstock.com thanks so much for their support of this show so current geek um you and scott johnson as you mentioned you've worked together on this before um and you, you did a show together and you guys have had a, a close relationship for a while um, with the sort of creative work that you do what's the premise of current geek now what makes it different to how it's been in the past in, when we first launched Current Geek, it was actually my uh, first attempt to do a show about geeky stuff while still at CNET, where I was not allowed to do competing content, right? So I could do Sword and Laser when I was at CNET because CNET wasn't in the business of science fiction and fantasy books. I could do East Meets West because who knows what that show is about. Still, I still don't know. But I, I couldn't, I wanted to do a show with Scott Johnson. And so we're like, what if we do all of the geeky stories that don't fall into technology, right? So we'll do the, the Lego sculptures and the, you know, just, just kind of the kicker, goofy stories. So we started that way. And then when Leo Laporte first approached me about doing a show, I said, I don't want to be exclusive, but maybe while I'm still working at CNET, I can do a show for you. Uh, and we have this idea of Current Geek that we're doing as an audio show. Maybe maybe Scott and I can do a video. So we did Current Geek Weekly before I was an employee at Twitch, just as an independent show. And again, we were skirting around technology and saying, well, we can't have any anything even close to something that might end up on CNET uh, in the show. In the end, I think that was one of the things that caused the show not to really take off is that artificial limitation. I think people felt like it, they weren't getting all of Scott and me. Even after we moved to Twit and I no longer had the restriction, the show just was in, in inertia at that point. And that was kind of its its mode. So when Scott and I talked about doing a Frog Pants All-Star show, it was like, hey, you know, gloves are off. We can talk about whatever we want that's of interest to the Frog Pants Network audience. And I said, well, that's kind of what Current Geek should have been. And so that's what it's become. It's, it's us getting together with two hosts. And sometimes we'll probably have people outside the Frog Pants Network on. But, but folks that are, of, that are po popular with that audience, folks that people like to hear talk about the things they like to talk about. And that involves technology. Uh, that also involves 
watching Netflix and it involves comic books and it involves video games and tabletop games. And it'll kind of, we're kind of trying to tailor it around our guests uh, and what they're into so we can have a really good conversation with them. So you're doing something really interesting here with Current Geek as well. Like it seems to me it's it's quite interesting. I'll talk about this in a moment, but you're selling merchandise to support the show directly, right? You're signing stuff and selling right. bits you know, things like that. What's the thinking there? Why go down this route for this show? Like you you've got a bunch of different types of things that you seem to be sort of dipping your toe in the water for at the moment. Well, and that show is also advertising supported as well. So the, the the backer packs, as I think they're calling them, uh, are calendars and posters signed by me and Scott. The idea being instead of doing a Kickstarter, where Kickstarter takes a percentage of, of your funds and you have a limited time and you have to wait 30 days and all of that, what if we just went direct? We cut out the middleman. This And this was David Michael's idea at Frog Pants. Like, what if we just we just have the rewards and say, you know, yes, this is more than you would normally pay for this calendar. But what you're doing is backing the show and we'll sign it for you. So you get you get a little something extra, but you're also, you know, helping the show get launched. And and people responded in in great numbers to say, yes, yes, I want this show to return. I will I will do this uh, much to my wrists uh, chagrin. Mm as I signed the big stack of posters uh, the other day. Apologies to anyone who got the posters near the end where my signature becomes even less legible. But it, it, it ended up being a, a super success and gave us the runway we needed to get the show going. So I would like to pretend like this is a, uh, a master plan of mine, you know, to try three different methods of funding a show and <laughs> see which one wins. It, it really was just sort of happenstance. Like, I, Brian and I just talked about Patreon and we're like, well, let's let's give it a shot. And we were fully intending to take advertising on Cord Killers. In fact, we even talked to a couple of people about placing ads on Cord Killers. But we got such a good response to the Patreon. We were like, well, wait a minute. You know, is it a is it a little greedy to be getting this much from the audience and then say, oh, but you also have to listen to ads. Yeah. Like, what if we. What if we could do what do do we think we could be ad free? You know, it was just sort of a a last minute call, and we haven't decided to never take ads on that show yet. Anyway, we're just seeing how it goes. Uh, with Current Geek, it was like, well, yeah, we're going to take ads, but just to get the show off the ground and get it running, let you know, let this is a great idea. David Michaels had this idea for a while. Let's let's just try it. Let's just sell the rewards directly because we have an audience that's really responsive. That wouldn't work for every show necessarily. Um, so yeah, it's it's. The fact that there are new people doing new things all the time and there are new ways of, of experimenting have sort of led us down this road to saying, oh, we thought we were going to go this direction, but this is working a lot better than we expected. So maybe we should go that direction. And we, I don't even know where it's going to end up. So it seems like right now you're working on podcasts, as you mentioned. You, know, you, you self-describe yourself as a podcaster now, um, both audio and video. But are there any other mediums and projects that you're thinking about looking at? I know you've done sort of books and comics and stuff in the past. Is that something that you're looking to do more of in the future? Yeah, I would I would like to do that, partly because I feel like another model out there that works already for some podcasts is watch my show for the fun, buy my stuff for the support, right? Yeah. So that's that's total value for value, which is, hey, I'm just going to give you this this fun, uh, you know, episode of Scam School for free, maybe with an advertiser in it, uh, and 
if you really like it, you'll go to the scam stuff store and you get to buy the actual magic stuff uh, and support the show that and that all makes sense. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's a model there. But honestly, I just like to write. I just like to create stories. I'm not that good at it yet. Uh, so I'm not pursuing it as a serious like I need to get an agent, and get a publisher and all that, even though that's what I should do if I was serious. I just enjoy doing it. And I do national novel writing every month. So I've got a, about three novels out there that I've self-published uh, that are available. Uh, the last one, Lot Beta, is readable. Um, <laughs> I'm not totally ashamed for people <laughs> to take a look at it. Uh, but they, they seem to get better every time, so I'm going to keep doing that. And then you mentioned the comic book, Ten State, with Len Peralta. I wrote the story for with Len and then wrote the dialogue and he wrote uh, and he drew it uh, and it's amazing uh, be, 100% because of the art. Len is an incredible artist and he put together a, a really good book. You can buy it from his store, lenperaltastore.com, but we just added it to the Comixology so you can now get a digital version of it as well. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, I know. People have been beating us up and we're like, we're just waiting for them to put it in there. So anything else going on that you're excited about? Is there anything else you want to do that you're not doing right now? Yeah, there's. A, I've always got ideas. I've got too many ideas, uh, but I really can't do anything else. The, o- the only one other thing for sure that's going to happen, uh, Jason Heiner at Tech Republic is a friend of mine and he's asked me to help him out with some content for them. So I'll, I'll have some stuff showing up there sometime in the next month or so, uh, to look at, which is, which would be pretty fun. I get to, I get to, um, exercise my enterprise chops a little more. Um, and that, that's, that's something I'll be shooting here and they'll be editing there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the only other thing I've got in the works for now, but who knows? Tom, thank you, sir. I'm, I'm, you know, I've said this before. I'm really happy that things are working out for you because they should do because you're you're a good guy and you know and you, you do some excellent work so this is awesome where can people find uh you and keep up to date with what you're up to and all the things that you've got going on sure well thank you mike i, I appreciate you saying that um tom is my website uh i post regular tech history bits there as well as uh, every episode of a podcast that i do shows up there and there's a page where I list all the shows if you're interested in subscribing. There's even a really horribly designed store page where you can find books, T-shirts, and stuff like that as well. But uh, follow me on Twitter if you can find me. It's Ace Detect, A-C-E-D-T-E-C-T. It's a long story, uh, but that's where I am. So if you want to find all of that stuff, it's all in the show notes for this week's episode, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 80. It's 80. My name is Mike Hurley. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. Feel free to follow me there. And I will be back for another episode of Command Space next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Until then, bye-bye.